Hey, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I want to uh, greet all the campuses, the South Lake Campus, North Richland Hills, North Fort Worth, Frisco, and now for the second week, Grand Prairie, the new Grand Prairie Campus. So, and uh, I want to let you know that uh, when you're, you're seeing this, but I am actually uh, in Chicago this weekend preaching at Willow Creek Church for Bill Hybels. They are doing a Blessed Life series, and um, I'm just so grateful how God used this message. So I am sharing this message with our staff, who, by the way, are the best staff in the world. You agree? So, First of all, I want to say to everyone how proud I am of you for the Heart for the Kingdom commitments. Um, last year, we had about $8 million committed over and above our tithe for the initiatives that the Lord gave the elders of the church. And uh, on Vision Weekend, I had a goal in my heart that I felt like was from the Lord. And I said it. I said, I believe that we can commit $10 million this year. And I had several of the elders even afterwards say to me, not by a lack of faith by any means, obviously, they just said, Wow, I just thought, well, Lord, do it. I'll agree with that, you know. And uh, just to let you know, I want to tell you again, I'm just I'm blown away by the generosity of, of you and of Gateway Church. Uh, but uh, last weekend, we had 10.5 million committed to Heart for the Kingdom. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to say, though, that if you did not make a commitment and you want to make a commitment, you still can. You know, I, I told you if you want to take it home and pray about it, I understand that. If you want to look at your budget, that's fine. And uh, don't feel like, okay, he was praying for, pastor was praying for 10 million, 10.5. That means I'm not supposed to give <laughs> because that's the enemy and you'll miss out then on the blessing. The blessing and the miracle come when we pray and obey. So please, if you have not made a commitment, please still pray and please obey what the Holy Spirit tells you, okay? All right, we're in a series called Face-to-Face -face Divine Encounters. And um, I did not plan this when the Lord spoke this series to me, but I have been just uh, enthralled by, um, enthralled, is that the right word? I've been excited. I've been uh, overwhelmed by uh, these encounters in John. And so I may actually stay in John for much of the series. I, I'm not sure. By the way, next weekend, uh, uh, I'll be out of town as well, but Pastor Preston will be here from Gateway Church Scottsdale. So I know everyone will want to see Pastor Preston. All right, so turn to John chapter 4. We're going to continue. I've done John 1 and John 2, and I, I actually preached about Nicodemus back in August in our evangelism series. In John chapter 4, there's an encounter with Jesus and this is the Samaritan woman's story. So we talked about John's story, we talked about Mary's story, and now we're talking about the Samaritan woman's story. John chapter four, we will read much of the chapter and much of the encounter throughout the message, but let me just read a few verses to get the picture here. John four, verse three. This is speaking of Jesus. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, you could say geographically he did, and that's true because of the location where he was, but he could have gone around it. Many Jews did walk around this city. 
I think he needed to go through because this woman needed an encounter with God. I think Jesus knew that. He needed to go through Samaria. Verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, uh, which would be about noon, begin, the day beginning at 6 a.m., a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, here's what I want to show you. Every person needs a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Here we have the master himself teaching us how to guide someone into an encounter with himself. Here it is. So th this is one of the best chapters on helping us to help someone else have an encounter with Jesus. Um, I said in one of our early morning prayer meetings, and I hope you get to come every, every Monday, 6.30, but I said in one of our prayer meetings, I'm praying that every person in Gateway Church win someone to Jesus Christ this year. Lead someone to Christ. In other words, lead someone in an encounter with the Lord, all right? So I wanna show you very simply how the master did it. So I actually have two points and then I have some subpoints under those points, all right? So here's point number one. If you're going to try to help someone come into an encounter with Jesus, here's point number one. Don't argue. Don't argue with them. This is exactly what the enemy wants to do. It's not the person trying to argue as much as you think it is. There is a spiritual realm out there. There are demonic spirits that are doing everything they can to get people to not come into an encounter with Jesus Christ. So the, the spirits are the one that are trying to get you to argue. And so I just want you to notice that Jesus was never drawn into an argument with this woman, although the enemy, now not the woman, the enemy tried several arguments. And I'll actually show you three arguments that the enemy tries with every person. And he, he did it with this person as well. But I just want you to remember, Jesus never argued with Satan. You remember when Jesus was tempted, Satan said to him, if you are the son of God. Okay, listen, Jesus never said, I am, ne never bothered him. He just said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He never argued with him. So don't get drawn into arguments. Let me show you the three most common arguments in this passage, all right? And these are the most common in any, any situation. All right, here's the first subpoint under don't argue, all right? Race. Look, notice verse nine. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, here's exactly what she says. You don't understand. There is a history between Samaritans and Jews. There's a history with our races that would cause there to be friction. That's what she's trying to say. And she actually brings in also gender. She says, you being a Jew and me, I'm a Samaritan woman. There was also friction between gender. And so here she brings it up and says, listen, you don't understand. You can't talk to me because there's a barrier. Okay, Jesus never even addresses it. You want to know why? Because race is a man-made barrier. It is not a God-made barrier. Don't let race, culture, ethnicity, social status, gender, don't let anything stop you. You are talking to a soul who needs Jesus Christ. 
a person who needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And so don't let there be a, a boundary. Now, I'm going to tell you something that might kind of shock you. Um, well, hopefully this doesn't shock you, but I don't believe in evolution. I, I believe in creationism, obviously. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't shock you. But I know that there are people who are now mixing, you know, creationism and evolution, and I don't, I don't believe that, okay? Let me just say that. I believe we were created in God's image. But do you realize that every bigot uses evolution as part of his argument? I don't know if you ever thought about this, but here's what uh, racist people say. One race is more evolved than another race. Okay, here's the reason that's wrong. Because we were all created in the image of God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to shock you, and I thought about leaving this out because it's controversial and I'll get emails, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Evolution is unconstitutional. Not only anti-scriptural, but it's unconstitutional because our constitution says that we were created equal. It doesn't say we evolved equally. It says we were created equal. And by the way, we did not evolve equally because women are much smarter than men. But we're, we were created equal. And we have rights given to us by our creator. That's what our forefathers told us. They knew. They knew that we didn't evolve. We were created. So race, though, is a man-made barrier. Don't, don't get into arguments about race or any differences, all right? Here's number two, reason. Now, what I mean by reason is obviously we're to think and to be logical. But look at what she says. We'll come back to verse 10 in a moment. But look what she says in verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Okay, that's, that's, that's a reasonable question. Okay, here, here's what I want you to know. He's talking on a spiritual level. She's talking on a natural level. When I'm sharing Christ with someone, I'm talking on a spiritual level. I'm talking about a spiritual need that that person has. Here's what the enemy does, though. Yeah, but what about the dinosaurs? He, he'll, he'll just throw things in people's mind. Well, what about this? Well, what about what scientists say? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Listen to me. Listen. It's okay to say, I don't know about all that. But what I do know is I was blind and now I see. That's okay. It, you are qualified to be a witness if you've had a face-to-face encounter. You don't need to think, well, I've got to learn all, this, all these things and, and before I can ever tell anyone about my encounter because what they need is an encounter. And if you've had an encounter, you can help them with an encounter. Okay? So don't let all the, that you don't understand everything, how it works out, don't let that stop you from sharing people. All right, here's number three, the third um, uh, reason we don't want to argue, religion. Here's the third argument that she threw up. Verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Okay, here's the point. Again, we'll look at his answer in a moment. He still never argued with it. He never said, yeah, well, we Jews know about this mountain, and we know that, and da-da-da, and all that. He wasn't arguing. Even though he gives an answer, he brings her back to God. Um, Religion is also a man-made barrier. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christ is God's attempt to get to man. It is not about religion. It is about relationship. 
I have even said to people before, well, my religion says, and I said, well, I understand that, but I'm not talking about religion right now. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what's amazing is if we'll spend some time with some folks and let them see our genuine relationship, that we have had a genuine encounter, they will begin to want what we have. So there's no reason to argue about religion either. Okay, here's number two. Number one is don't argue, and then I gave you three points you could argue about, race, reason, and religion. Here's number two. It's very simple. If you want to help someone have an encounter, just talk. Just talk. Look at verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, I understand he was thirsty, but I know he knew where he was going with this conversation. I know he was concerned about this woman, and he could have gotten his own drink. Don't you think he could have gotten it? Sure. And he's not a person who believes everyone should serve him. He actually said the opposite. I came to serve. So the only reason he started talking to this woman was to help her. He knew exactly where he was going. I do this constantly. I initiate conversations with people simply so that I can eventually share Christ with them. And I can have a conversation with anyone, anywhere, anytime. And there's a reason. I know the secret. I know how to talk to every person. And here's, the, here's how I know. Every person has a favorite subject. And I know what it is. I know without, if I've never even met you, I know what your favorite subject is. It's you. <laughs> if I just ask you about you, you'll get to talking. Your, your children, your grandchildren, your family, your job, where you grew up, your hobbies, your interests. I mean, sometimes you get to talking to someone about his or her hobbies and interests, you can't get them to stop. You actually sometimes think, I don't know if I should have started this conversation or not. <laughs> but it's very, very easy. So I just want you to know, you, you, you can talk to any person, anytime. Don't be afraid. We will never lead people into a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus if we never talk to him. And Jesus did everywhere he went. He engaged people. So just talk. So let me tell you some things to uh, talk about, all right? Here are some sub-points now under point two. One is abundant life. Abundant life. Uh, look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Okay, every person wants abundant life. Every person wants peace and joy. You can talk about the peace and the joy that you have now as a believer that you didn't have before, and you're not trying to impose your religion on someone. You need to understand that. Uh, it, it's like if you were talking to a complete stranger and, and, and you said, um, you know, I am, I'm really grateful to be here. Well, how come? Well, um, I, I had cancer, and uh, I was given a death sentence, and I was told to go to such such, such clinic, and I had to go through eight months of treatment, and, and I am now cancer-free. Okay, listen to me. If you tell someone that, that person does not think in any way, hey, 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 you're trying to impose your religion on me. They, he doesn't think that. Okay. So when a person does say that, you might not be sharing about Jesus in the right way. 
You might be sharing in a religious way. For instance, I, I have said to people many, many times, um, uh, you know, um, I, I, I was raised in a, um, a good home. Uh, I got so far off track. I got extremely involved in drugs and an immoral lifestyle. And then something happened to me in a motel room, and it totally changed my life. Well, of course, I've got their interest right there, you know. Wonder what happened in a motel room. And they'll say, what happened? I'll say, well, this guy told me, and this may not be, you know, the way everyone believes, but this guy told me that if I would give my life to God, everything would change. And I mean, I was delivered from drugs instantly. Okay. Again, what he's doing is he's hearing my story. By the way, no one can argue with my story. They can argue about the dinosaurs. They can argue about the flood. They can argue about all that stuff. You can't argue with my story. There's proof about my story. You can go to the police department. <laughs> it's a record. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just my story. So just talk about abundant life. Here's another thing. You say, well, I wasn't in drugs. Okay, let me tell you what, what you can talk about. I was miserable. I was lonely. I was insecure. I was afraid. I was angry. I was bitter. I, I had unforgiveness. I, I was in bondage. I, I had insecurity. I had rejection. I, I was a, a person that was totally tormented until I finally gave control of my life, Lord. Okay, one of those you can relate to. So you don't have to go with the outward things. You can go with inward things. So just talk about abundant life. Here's the, oh, by the way, remember I talked about the three analogies, the three, I mean, the three arguments. Um, let me just show you this scripture that I found uh, on this. Because when we talk about abundant life, you don't have to go into all these things. But this, this shocked me. All right, remember I talked about race, reason, and religion? Titus 3.9 says, but avoid foolish disputes. Now watch this. Genealogies, that's race. Contentions, that's arguments, reasonings. And strivings about the law, that's religion. For they are unprofitable and useless. Avoid those. So we're going to avoid that. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about abundant life. Here's the second thing, eternal life. Jesus talked about eternal life. Look at verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Listen, every person, every person has a God-shaped void in him. Every person. And when you talk about eternal life, even if they say they don't believe it, there's something God put in them that wants to know about life after death. Is this it? So you can talk about eternal life. That's okay. Um, now, when I was a new Christian, I had what the Bible refers to as zeal without knowledge. Um, I can remember witnessing to several people, and I so wanted them to pray the prayer. Because I knew when I asked Jesus in my heart, everything changed. I, I didn't understand about letting the Holy Spirit work on them and things like that. So I would just try to get them to pray the prayer. And I know now to let God do it. But I used to say, I can remember saying to people, okay, so you don't want to accept Jesus. Is that what you're telling me? And they'd say, no, 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 I just want, I just, I don't want to right now. I'd say, okay, before I leave, then I want you to say, I choose to go to hell. Say, I choose to, they'd say, no, I don't want to say I choose to go to hell. 
I'd say, well, then, then you do want to get saved. They'd say, well, I don't want to. Then say, I choose to go to hell. Okay. I've learned that you do your best and trust God with the rest. Okay? You don't have to force it on people, all right? All right, but you can talk about eternal life. Here's the third thing to talk about, sin. Now, this is going to shock you because people say there's a whole movement in the church today. Don't talk about sin. Well, the only problem with that is Jesus did, and that, that is what separates us from God. It's the way you talk about sin. That's it. Uh, verses 16 through 19, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. I love her response. The woman said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> I, I would have perceived that too. <laughs> okay, here's the point. Sin was her need. It, it's okay to talk about sin. It's how you talk about it. Now, let me tell you something that I say that obviously Jesus couldn't say, but I'm not Jesus, so I can say this. I will say to people all the time, I am no better than you. We have all made mistakes. We've all messed up. One of the barriers that Satan throws up is people think that we think that we're better than. I'm not better than because I've received the grace of God. I might even be worse than, but I received his grace. And I'm simply saying to you, you can receive his grace too. Um, when I was first learning about this spiritual realm, I came from a church background where we didn't talk much about demons, you know. And in the early 80s, I was traveling with James Robinson. Many of you know that. And James Robinson introduced me to a guy named Milton Green. Milton Green was a carpet cleaner. He started showing us that there were demonic spirits in scriptures and they were attacking believers as well. We, we just didn't think they could bother us once we got saved. It was kind of our theology, and it wasn't working out real well for us either. But, um, but I remember Dudley Hall, who was a Bible teacher, real good anointed Bible teacher. Dudley and I were witnessing this guy. We were at a hunting camp, and we'd been talking to this guy for like an hour. And for about the past 30 minutes, he was saying to us, well, I won't accept Jesus, but something's stopping me. I just don't know what it is. Something's stopping me. I just don't know what it is. And we just kept saying, well, what, you know, we kept trying to talk. And then Milton Green, this carpet cleaner, walks up in the conversation. About this time, this guy says again, I won't accept Jesus, but something's stopping me, and I don't know what it is. And Milton said, it's demons. <laughs> and I remember Dudley and I thought, oh, you don't tell a lost person about demons. <laughs> you know? And Milton says, it's demons. Said they talk to us all the time. Said they hate us. And that, he kind of had that. Tennessee twang, you know, and he said, they talk to us all the time, and they tell us that we're no good, and they tell us that God doesn't love us, and he said, you know what they'll do? He said, they'll tell us when we're driving down the road, just driving a bridge and end it all. I said, you ever heard that? This guy said, yeah. He said, that's a demon, and he hates you, and he doesn't want you to accept Jesus. You want to accept Jesus? The guy said, yeah. And the guy got saved in like 30 seconds. Dudley and I have been talking to him an hour. You don't have to avoid these subjects. Jesus never avoided these subjects. It's how you talk about it. If you talk about a sin in a condemning way, which Jesus never did, by the way. You remember this? Remember what he said? And I'll, I'll probably share on this one because it's in John, and I'm getting excited about all these encounters in John. John 8, the woman caught in adultery. 
Does no one condemn you? Neither do I. That's, that's, Jesus loves sinners. Sinners love Jesus because he didn't condemn them. Okay, here's number four, relationship with God. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Okay, he focused on a relationship with God. Just keep that in your mind. When you're talking to someone, that's what you want to focus on, is, listen, you can have a relationship with God. And let me show you the last one uh, to talk about Jesus. Uh, now, this, this might shock you, I'm about to say, but Jesus talked about himself. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I love John so much, because we have, Jesus reveals more about himself in John than any other gospel. Look at verses 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. I want you to put yourself in this woman's encounter. I want you to think about what, she, what happens here. I know Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Uh, verse 26, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. <laughs> Boy, you go on and read the story. Her whole life has changed, and she wins the whole city to Jesus. She goes back and says, come meet a man who told me all I ever did. Now, she doesn't say it this way, but I think this is what she was saying, and still love me. Come meet someone who knows all about me but still loves me. Um, I was um, a few years ago looking to buy a car and looked in the paper and looked on the internet and all the different things you do, you know. Found this car and it was at a, a car dealership. Uh, called this guy, got him on the phone, asked him about it, he told him about it. I went down, it, test drove it and ended up buying the car. But while I was there, I got a real burden for this guy. And I'd been praying that I would be able to lead someone to Christ that year. Now, I've prayed before that I could lead one person to the Lord a month. I felt led to do that, and by God's grace, I, I led 12 people to the Lord that year. It was something I prayed about, and I felt led to pray about it. I'm simply asking, this year, I actually felt led to just pray that I led one person to Christ. Now, maybe I led more, but I, I felt like when I was praying that it was going to take a little while. Was, I was going to find someone that I needed to build a relationship with and take some time with. Well, when I, I got there, I thought, this is the guy. This is, you know. So I called him about a week later after I bought the car and I said, hey, I just wanted you to know the car's running great. Thanks so much. And I had a really good experience. You know, a lot of people don't have good experience buying a car. I had a great experience, and you made it a good experience. He said, man, thank you. I, I just didn't have any idea, you know, that, uh, uh, that you would call me back and tell me something like that, you know. That's just very unusual. I said, well, I just wanted you to know that, and da-da-da, so, uh, and then we, we talked some about hobbies, and we had some similar hobbies. And uh, a week or two later, I called him and said, hey, I'm in the area, you wanna grab some lunch? He said, yeah. So while we're at lunch, he said to me, hey, uh, what do you do? <laughs> and I said, well, uh, I'm a pastor. And I remember he kinda, you know, like kinda leaned back, and then he said, you don't act like a preacher. I was taking that as a compliment, and uh, 
So, but I, so I said to him, well, you don't act like a car salesman. <laughs> and he kind of laughed and he said, well, that, that's, that's compliments, you know. And so we kept developing this relationship and I kept talking to him about three months into it. We were having lunch one day and he said, can I tell you something? And I said, yeah. He said, I didn't grow up going to church. When I was about 12 years old, I made friends with this guy at school and I found out he was the pastor's son. And I started going to church with him. And he said, I loved it. I loved it. And I felt like I was beginning to learn about God. And he said, and then for some stupid reason, you know how kids are, he said, we broke into one of the classrooms one night and we trashed it. We just vandalized it. He said, just stupid. He said, the next Sunday, the pastor called me up in front of the whole church. And he told the church what I had done. And he said that I had gotten his son involved in it. That I was a bad influence on his son. And he said to me, you're a bad person. And you need to leave church and don't you ever come back. And he said, I've never been back. And I said to him, you know how I told you that you're a good car salesman? That you didn't manipulate me and you really wanted me to find the right car for me and you really took care of me. You know how I told you you were a good car salesman? He said, yeah. I said, and did you, you know that there are some bad car salesmen? He said, yeah. I said, there are some bad preachers. And that man is a bad preacher. I said, but don't blame God. Because God didn't do that. As a matter of fact, God put you on my heart because he wants to have a relationship with you. And I've been praying for you for months now. And then he said to me, tears in his eyes, Can I come to your church? I said, yeah. And the first time he came, he gave his life to Christ. He had a face-to-face -face encounter because someone else who'd had an encounter didn't argue with him, just talked to him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to do like we do every weekend. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask him. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? You know, I love you guys so much, and I, I asked you, would you pray and obey? Would you make a commitment to give over and above your tithe, and so many of you did? Can I just ask you to do something else? Would you pray and ask the Lord to let you lead someone to Christ this year? Will you, will you just pray that? Will you say, Lord, use me. Just use me to lead someone else to have an encounter with you. You know, someone helped every one of us. Now, we need to help someone.
we want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending or if you're in an overflow room, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus, at the front of every room in just a moment. I'm going to pray. After I pray, then we'll stand every campus. We'll have one worship song. During that worship song, if you need prayer for any reason at all, maybe you've had a bad experience with church and you say, you know, I'm not going to blame God anymore, and maybe you need to give your life to God. Maybe there's an area of your life, though, that you're going through a difficulty. Every person needs prayer. If you need prayer for any reason at all, as soon as we stand, I want you just to stand up and step out and come. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw every person that has any need for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.